We just want to welcome you this morning. So glad that you joined us today. We're wrapping up our last session of the series Better. The first week we talked about um, choosing better, having a life that uh, when we have bad days we can choose God. In the second week we talked about uh, better is having less than having more with problems. And last week we talked about uh, better is wisdom than gold. And this morning we want to talk about a pretty important topic for uh, those of you that are believers. Um, we're talking about uh, better is a good name. So uh, we're going to look at Proverbs 22 and 1 this morning and realize that um, a good name doesn't mean you're perfect, but it means we're being perfected by the one who is. Now, all of us have probably dealt with people or family or somebody that uh, they've racked up a bad name for themselves or they've got a reputation. And uh, the great news is about the gospel is that if you've got a bad reputation, you can start again today. This is the place where we come and we find mercy, we find grace, and we realize that our name as a follower is linked to the name Jesus Christ. So as we look at Proverbs 22 and 1, look what it says. It says a good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. Now, he shows us right here that uh, a good name is more desirable than great riches. The, the question is, which one do you really want? In God's economy, he says it's better for you to have a good name, a name that is reflected well, a name that has honesty and integrity, a name that has a, a reputation, or do you want great riches and to have a reputation that isn't honorable, that isn't filled with integrity? It also goes on to say to be esteemed is better than silver or gold. And God isn't opposed to us uh, having money or even being rich, but what he's saying is that we need to have that great understanding, that deeper understanding, that being esteemed, and it's specifically esteemed by him, esteemed by Jesus, is to be better than silver or gold. Now Socrates, uh, amazingly, who, who didn't know Christ, wasn't a believer, this is what he said about a good name. He said, regard your good name as the richest jewel you can possibly possess. The way to gain a good reputation is to endeavor to be what you desire to appear. Now that's just a fancy way of saying is that what we set our eyes on is what we're going to start to look like. What we worship is what we're going to start to look like. The way that we act is going to reflect what we look like. And so he says, endeavor to be what you desire to appear. And so I just want to start off and say uh, this morning that the reality is we as Christians need to put our sights on Jesus Christ. We're not supposed to be impacted by our culture. We're not supposed to follow the ways of the world. Our job is to put our eyes on Christ and then we become what we appear to look at. And that is him. We fix our eyes on him. And that way as Christians we become people that the world equates with a good name of Jesus Christ. Instead of people saying, yeah, I don't have a problem with Christ. I just have known too many Christians. And maybe you've never heard that, but the reality is that most people, if they read the Bible or understood who Christ was, they really wouldn't have a problem with Christ. But the problem comes, the disconnect comes, when they've met Christians who don't act in a way that represents Christ well. So let's talk about this good name. 
why is a good name better according to the Proverbs? Well, first of all, a good name instills confidence. Proverbs 10 and 9 says, whoever walks in integrity walks securely. Now, what he's really saying here is that when you say the truth and you live by the truth and, and, and work and play and raise your family and all those things are done according to the Bible, according to integrity, then you don't have to worry about what people are going to think. You don't have to worry about what's, who's going to find out. You don't have to worry about what you lied about. You don't have to worry about who heard what story. It says that you can walk and walking means living. So whoever lives in integrity, you can walk securely. Philippians 2 also says this, verses 8 through 11, speaking of Jesus, it said, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Now, two points right here that we're going to start with right on this scripture. It says, he humbled himself and he became obedient. You want to know what it means to have a good name? Be humble. You want to know what it means to have a good name? Be obedient. Be obedient to God's word. Be humble to the leading of the Holy Spirit. So even to the point of death. Now, thank God that he doesn't call us to this. But it said even the death on a cross. So this was not some quick little, uh, it's over fast process. This is a public, humiliating, painful, brutal, long-lasting death. Now, he doesn't call us to that. But understand that when we make mistakes, they can be painful, public, brutal and long-lasting as so he calls us to live slash walk in integrity. Verse 9 says, since he did these things, since he became humble and since he was obedient, God also exalted him and gave him the name which is above every name. Now think about that. He didn't reward him with all this other stuff. What he did is he gave him the name above every name. So the top of the list, that's Jesus' name. You you pick out the smartest people in the world, Jesus is at the top of that list. The people that are, are the highest honored pre people, Jesus is at the top of that list. The people who you'd want to be, the, the top 10 list of people that, that we should strive to be, and Jesus is the top of that list. Who is the best leader? Jesus. Who is the kindest person? Jesus. Who is the best servant? Jesus. On and on and on. We put that name, the name above every name at the top of the list. Verse 10 says, and with that name, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth. So he's placed everything that's ever been created in subjection to Jesus Christ because he humbled himself, because he came obedient. He gave him the name. And it also says in verse 11 that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now what's great is at this time in our life, we get to choose. We can choose to bow our knee, and it says should bow. And we can choose to confess that he is Lord. But there's coming a time also where that name will come as a judge and a righteous ruler, and the world will bow, and the world will confess, and it won't matter what they thought or believed, they will know that he is Lord, and that he is the glory of God, and they will bow, and they will confess. Wouldn't it be better for you to do that today? Wouldn't it be better to start walking in integrity today and so that you can instill confidence, confidence in your children, confidence in your neighbors, confidence in your family? A good name instills confidence. How else is a good name better? A good name speaks for you. Now, we talked last week about Solomon and how wise he was. 
And in Second Chronicles chapter 9, it says that the Queen of Sheba had heard of Solomon's fame. And she came to Jerusalem to test him with her hard questions. And she came to Solomon and talked with him about all that she had on her mind. And she said to the king, The report that I heard in my own country about your achievements and your wisdom is true. But I did not believe what they said until I came and I saw with my own eyes. Indeed, not even half the greatness of your wisdom was told me. You have far exceeded the report that I have heard. That's in Second Chronicles 9, 5-6. Now think about this. This is a foreign queen. A queen that had the best advisors, the best education. She had everything that she could need and everything at her disposal. And yet, she had heard that there was someone that was truly wise. Someone that had the answers to hard questions. And this name went before Solomon. This name spoke for him. The name of Solomon. The name that was above all names. And where did he get that wisdom? He got that from his Lord. He got that from God when he asked for that wisdom. What does your name speak of you? I know personally I've struggled with this. I grew up in a small town. Uh, my uncle was the uh, Ace Hardware Santa Claus year after year after year. Many children had pictures with my uncle as a Santa Claus and this is a small town of 3,000 where everybody knows everybody. But my uncle not only was the Santa Claus at the local hardware store, he was also a pedophile. So you can imagine that I wasn't the one that just ran right out and let everybody know, hey, he's my uncle, hey, I'm related to him, hey, it's so great. Because the opposite of this is also true. A bad name can speak for you as well. The thing is, we need to be Christians that don't give Jesus Christ a bad name. We need to give him a good name. And the great part of having a good name is that it speaks well of him. Third reason a good name is better is a good name can inspire others. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 Paul is speaking to the church there in Corinth who's a, a mixed church and, and they're struggling because there's Jews and Gentiles, Gentiles that have never followed the law and are understanding the grace of Jesus Christ. And then you've got the Jews that have always followed the law that, that think that just following the law is the way to get to heaven. And he says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Now notice what Paul was saying. He was saying, don't just follow me, but you follow me as I follow the example of Christ. He's trying to inspire people and of all the people that could be a great inspiration, I think Paul is such a great example. Here's a person that was a murderer. Here's a person that stood before Stephen and held the coats of the men that were going to stone them so that they wouldn't get blood splatter on their outer garments. Here's a man that was given the ability, given the permission to get men and women and children of the faith they called the way back then and bring them in chains to prison, to torture, to get them to recant what they believed. Here's a man that was pursuing Christians and trying to destroy the early church and yet he had uh, an encounter with God and everything changed and of all the people that could say hey I want to follow Christ here's a man that followed him well he wanted others to understand who he was and where he had been and so he says as I follow the example of Christ you can follow my example we say this at New Life as well for anybody that becomes a member we don't ask for blind following we ask that you would follow us as we follow Christ. We are able to make mistakes. We are fallible people. 
And we don't just ask you to follow us just because we're leaders, just because we're pastors. We want you to follow us as we follow Christ. And I would hope that if I begin to get off course, if we begin to, to go the wrong way, begin to be anti-biblical or, or begin to convert the, the doctrine, that somebody would say, hey, that's not what Jesus says. Hey, that's not how the scripture is going. And give us the opportunity to come back to true north as it was. So our goal is that we follow the example of Christ because other people are watching you. Other people are seeing how you live. And, and that's the reality. This is not just a thing on Sunday. We want to inspire people. We want to inspire people with the name of Jesus Christ. Even if they don't know that we're Christians, they should see how we live. They should see how we raise our kids. They should see how we love each other. They should see how we forgive each other. They should see that we're great workers. They should see that we are open, honest people. And that's an inspiration. They don't need to see corruption. They don't need to know we cheat on our taxes. They don't need to see us going through multiple partners. They don't need to see us involved in petty theft and crime and drug abuse and all of these things. This is a call to come back to the basis of being true followers of Jesus Christ. Not just having some form of religion, not just doing a certain thing on a Sunday, but for us to actually say, hey, he's our master. And what he says, that's how we do it. This is how he lives. This is how he loved. This is where he went. This is how he treated people. That's what's going to inspire them. John 13 and 15, he says, I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. This was Jesus speaking to his disciples right after he washed their feet. Now, he's their master. He's the Lord of the universe. He has come in human form, and yet he took off his outer robe, put a towel around his waist, and he began to wash all of his followers' feet, showing them an example. And what an inspiration, because you know what happened? Every one of those guys understood what it meant to serve. And these are men that are fishermen and tax collectors. They're not the religious elite. They're not the highly intelligent, motivated guys. And yet, they kept saying what Jesus said, and they kept doing what Jesus did. And they passed that on to the next disciples, and the next disciples, and the next group of converts. And they heard, and they saw that these men did what Jesus did, and said what Jesus said. This is what we should be doing as well. Philippians 3.17 says, Dear brothers and sisters, and that's all of us here this morning, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. Look what he says. There's a pattern that's being followed. And he said, pattern your lives after mine. One who follows Christ. We go back to that part in 1 Corinthians. He's following Christ. So pattern that. Pattern how I'm doing this. See and follow it. You don't have to make this up as you go along. And learn from those who follow our example. Paul isn't here anymore. But there are others who are following well. Those that are mature in the faith. Those that are following Jesus Christ and doing what he does and saying what he says. Those are the people we pattern after. Now my grandma, she uh, made dresses and prom dresses and suits and all kinds of things for the people in, in our small community. But she didn't just randomly cut up the cloth. You see, she had a pattern that she laid out. It looked like onion skin that had some dotted and dashed lines on it so that she knew where she laid it out that this is how you cut the sleeve and this is how you cut the waist and this is how you... It wasn't just some formula. It was already laid out. And can I tell you that the pattern of Jesus is already laid out. It's called the Bible. 
And if the Old Testament is too much, there's a lot of religion, there's a lot of rules, there's a lot of history there that you can get bogged down in. Start in the New Testament. Start with the birth of Jesus Christ. And if you want to know who God is, you see what Jesus is. If you want to know how God loves, see how Jesus loved. You want to know how God is, see how Jesus lives. See how Jesus talked. See how Jesus treated the people around him. Then you'll know how God is because Jesus is the image of God. He's giving us this example. That's why he showed up. He stepped out of heaven. He put on a human form. He knew what it was to be cold and tired and hungry and dirty. He knew what it was to see the scowl of his accusers. He knew what it was to be betrayed. And yet he showed us that we can walk through this life and inspire other people. This next passage in 1 Timothy. It's been used quite a bit. They use a lot in youth ministry, but it's not just for youth ministry. I believe that if we could just latch on to this one scripture, if we could latch on to this one, that we could be people that begin to inspire others and people wouldn't have a problem with Jesus Christ. People would, in fact, actually want to turn from their lives because they saw the conduct that we have. 1 Timothy 4.12 says this, Let no one despise your youth. And it's not just being young, but maybe you're uh, new to the faith. Maybe you're just now got saved. And it doesn't matter your age. That means that you're still young in that faith. But he says, don't worry about that part. He says, but I want you to be an example to the believers around you in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Do you see those different fragments of, of our life right there? That we're supposed to be an example to others. We should inspire others in word. What's our speech like? Are we people that drag people down? Are we people that lift people up? Are we people that speak the truth? Are we people that always tell lies? Are we people that are critical? Are we people that are blessing? We should be people that provide an example of what it means to live and inspire others with our words. And then next is conduct. And I think that speaks for itself. Is our conduct pleasing to Jesus Christ? Is our conduct something that represents Jesus well? And, and I know it's, it's not about perfection. None of us are perfect. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. But the reality is that our conduct needs to be one where we don't look down our nose at a world around us, but we try to embrace them, we try to engage them, and we try to win them with the love and forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And that means that we have to be people that conduct our lives, how we live, how we love, how we raise our kids, how we spend our money, how we take our vacations, all of our conduct, that everything is spiritual for us now. We don't get a private life anymore. This means our conduct should line up with the Bible. It doesn't mean we dress in robes and we speak Hebrew or any of that stuff, but our conduct, how we live, what we value, those are the things that will inspire others. Next he says about love. How do we love people? What do we love? Do we love the truth and hate the sin? Do we love God's word and love God's people? And, and what is the men of our love? Or do people only know what we hate? This has been a, a sad point of many churches is that most of the communities that they're in don't know anything that they're for or what they love, but they definitely know what they hate or what they fear. And then he says in spirit. Our spirits are ready and willing at all times. The Bible tells us this, that our, our spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. 
But did you know that we've been empowered by the Holy Spirit? That our spirit can take over, our spirit can lead us in the right direction, our spirit can convict us and change our behavior, and we can overcome the flesh. It may not be easy, but we can overcome it. And our spirit, being walking in the spirit, living in the spirit, praying in the spirit, all of these ways that we can be in the spirit, this will be an inspiration to others. The opposite is to be in the flesh, and that's like everybody else, and that's no inspiration. Next is faith. Well, how's your faith? Does your faith inspire others? Or are you just a so-so Sunday Christian? How's your faith in your family? How's your faith in God? How's your faith in His Word? How's your faith to do good works? These are the ways that we inspire other people. Our purity. And not just sexual purity, but purity of how we're going to conduct ourselves, purity of how we live out our lives, purity of our heart motivations. And that takes a time as, as God begins to sanctify us because we start out pretty messy. And if we just continue to walk and continue to allow him to correct us and discipline us, pretty soon the purity begins to come. The Bible calls this sanctification, which means a, a progressive type of cleansing. And that's what he wants. And fortunately, we've got a bad name because many times supposed Christians are doing all the same stuff that people in the world are doing and my question is well, what were you saved from? If you're still getting drunk, if you're still getting high, if you're still stealing and cheating and, and sleeping around and if you're still uh, lying on your taxes and being a, a poor steward of your time and you're slacking on your job and you say that you're saved, what were you saved from? You see we're supposed to be different we're supposed to have a form of godliness. Now my question as we wrap this up is this. So what if I don't have a good name? What if you've messed up? What if you're a person that your life has been a mess up to this point? This is the great news of the gospel is there is hope for you and for me today. There is mercy at the feet of Jesus Christ. He promises us that he can forgive us and cleanse us from all of our iniquity. Now he does that, and he does that by faith, but then we have to take our opportunity to live like we're supposed to live. Now, this next scripture sounds pretty harsh, but it's the reality that we may think that God doesn't know what's going on, that we may think that maybe there's so much in the world that's bad that he overlooks us, and yet we see this glimpse into the future when, when the world is standing before God and this is in Revelation 3. He's, he's speaking to the seven churches in, in Revelation, just a, a representation of different groups of people, and specifically believers. And he says, I know your deeds. Now, think about this. He, he's not knowing what we thought or what we made or how much money we've accrued. But he says, I know your deeds. I know how you've conducted yourself. And you have a reputation of being alive. You are dead. And he goes on to say to each of these that he gives a rebuke to that his goal is come back to me. Now I'm going to tell you what I've seen. I've heard that some of you are good, but I also see this. And he says here, you've got this reputation of being alive, but to me, you're dead. What a tragedy that the world would look and say, oh, what a great person. Oh, look at how they do this. And yet God says, you're dead to me. Now the next scripture bolsters this up and helps us understand where we all are. 
and that's Romans 3.23. And if you've been in church for very long, this is a great one to, to just commit to memory because it's so true. It says that we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now remember, perfection is, is what he's called us to, but let's go back to the beginning. We're not perfect because of who we are. We're perfect because of the one who's perfecting us. Jesus Christ is perfect. And if we'll live in Christ and be in Christ, then we can have perfection, but not in ourselves. And so he reminds us all, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. Now, 2 Corinthians 5, 16 and 17, what a great verse. This is what we talk about at baptisms all the time. It says, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, but how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. And what this really means is that Jesus showed up not to make us a better us, but he showed up to cancel not only the debt that we owed, but to change our future, to change our nature. And he's not after better behavior. He's after a transformed heart. He's after our love of him. And when we love him and respect him and follow him and determine that if he's adopted us with a spirit of adoption and we are called Christians, which represent his name, then I want to live well. This means that there may be people sitting around you, people in your family that you know and you know their reputation but the reality is, once you're saved, and especially once they're saved, that all goes by the wayside. Now we see them from a different point of view. Now we have to look at them like God looks at them, with a clean slate. He says he makes us white as snow. He washes away our sin. He blots out our iniquity. We can't keep bringing that stuff up. We can't keep rendering the past and bringing it forward. We have to let it go and believe that that new person is a new person, just like Jesus sees us as a new person. I love the last part of that where he says the old life is gone. To him, it is gone. Now, the hard part is that we have to catch up with that. And there may be consequences from our old life that you're still facing or that I'm still facing. But the reality is that will come with time that as we live the new life and we begin the new life, not trying to live the old life, but we begin the new life, then pretty soon something awesome happens. We can create a new tomorrow. And here's the good news of all this. Why have a good name and what's, what's so big about having a good name? You're creating tomorrow's legacy today. What's your legacy right now? If you were to die tomorrow, what would people say of you? What would the people around you say of you? What would your friends say of you? What would your family say of you? What would your coworkers say of you? Your legacy is not just a will and some letters on a page, but it's who you are in the full essence of you. Were you a spiritual person? Were you a kind person? Were you a loving person? Were you a generous person? Or were you a person that just got by? Were you a person that, sure, you were nice, you were kind, you were, you were that Revelation 3 person. You had a reputation of being alive, but to God, you were dead. 
I want to inspire you this morning, I want to challenge you this morning, that you can create tomorrow's legacy today. Allow the Holy Spirit to convict you where you're falling short. Allow yourself to shrug off the past and not keep carrying that around and start a new day. You get to create tomorrow's legacy today, making right choices forgiving yourself, forgiving others, living a life of following Jesus Christ. And it's uncomfortable. You're going to read passages that are going to rub you the wrong way and you don't want to do it, but that's part of the process. So this morning, just three ways that I believe that we can come to terms with all this and apply this to our lives. First of all, what a great opportunity. Maybe this morning you need to choose Jesus Christ. You need to choose a new name. You know what your old name holds. You know what your old past holds. But today, you can be chosen by Jesus Christ. You can be part of those redeemed, part that he has called out, part that he's adopted. And that just requires you to take the opportunity right here to be bold and to trust him and believe that he is who he says that he is. And it goes something like this. Jesus, I've sinned. I've fallen short of what you've expected of us and I ask that you would forgive me. I believe that you died and rose again and that you have canceled the debt of sin in my life. Would you help me to follow you for the rest of my life? This is the starting point, not my ending point. This is the day of my new beginning. Help me to follow you all the days of my life. What about you this morning? Do you need to get a new name, to get a good name, the name of Jesus Christ? And then secondly, maybe you're somebody that needs to inspire others. Is your life inspiring the people around you or are they turned off by your style of Christianity? Are you the type of person that is a lifting up person or are you the type of person that's a tearing down person? Are you the type of people that gives a hand up or are you the type of person that has to be at the top? I believe that we can inspire people. I believe that we have the opportunity to instill confidence in them and let them know that we're not perfect yet, but through Jesus Christ we can all become better people. We can become the people that he's called us to be. And lastly, maybe today's the day you start thinking about your legacy. The good news is it's not too late. The good news is you haven't done too much damage, even though it may seem like it. And maybe you've got family you're not talking to. Maybe there are situations that have unfolded that, that you're not proud of. But today's the day that you can put that behind you and start working towards a new legacy. So let's pray. Father God, I'm so thankful that we can come to you as sons and daughters of God. You have grafted us in. You have chosen us and called us by name, and that name is your name, the name of Jesus Christ, the name above all names. Would you help us live up to that? Would you help us as Christians to inspire the world around us, our neighbors, our friends, our family, our children, our co-workers, everybody that we come in contact with is going to determine who Christ is by how they see us and how we live out our faith. And God, also for those that they've had a messy past and the roadmap has been painful and long and today's the day they're going to create a new legacy. So Lord, 
help them to begin to live out 2 Corinthians chapter 5 where the old is gone you've washed it away and they don't have to live like that anymore they don't have to be that person anymore they don't have to think like that anymore they don't have to act like that anymore and now they can begin a new life a new legacy where that revelation three person is gone and now God says maybe the world says that you are dead but I say you're alive and that's a good legacy So, Lord, we give you all the praise. We give you all the honor. We give you the glory. Would you help us to choose the name above all names and to live by it, to believe in it, to obey you, and to follow you, Lord? We ask it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen.